Before we begin this afternoon's service, now is the time for greetings or announcements. Thank you. Greetings from Brother Al and Sister Monica. Thank you. Greetings from Craig. Greetings from Brother Mila and Brother Mark. There are no other greetings. Um, here are the announcements from this morning. The focus of this month for the ACCNBC are several new projects, two new projects, Hope Ministries in Brazil with the Toths and uh, PNG Women's Ministries, and that's from Papua New Guinea. Um, this Wednesday is uh, at CFG is singing, and you're encouraged to bring instruments if, if you have them and can play them. And um, there will be a services Christmas morning. Uh, next uh, month in January, we have a brothers meeting scheduled for Saturday the 19th of January, and following a members meeting on Sunday the 20th. And we were encouraged this morning to pray for Boyan Josic, who is in a motorcycle accident in Serbia, currently in a coma. Before we turn to, to open God's word, let's, let's turn to him in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, as we look to thy word to receive a, another blessing this afternoon, we realized how blessed we are, dear Father, that we are, if we really think about it, if we're honest with ourselves, we're a people of, of no account. Each one of us individually, we have no worth on our own, dear Father. We are poor. There's nothing we can bring thee. But, dear Father, we have been given the greatest gift of all. And as a consequence, we are a peculiar treasure of thine. We've been given Jesus Christ. And whether it is at this time of the year or any other time of the year, we pray that that knowledge, that remembrance would be powerful, it would be effective to change hearts, to change lives, dear Father, to, to restore and create unto thyself a people that are, are zealous of good works and zealous of thy name. Dear Father, so we would pray this afternoon as we would open thy word that thou wouldst help us to understand what is needed on our part, dear Father, and what thou hast done for us, thou hast done so much. We thank thee for this, and we pray in the name of our Savior and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. Recently, in, in uh, some discussions with the ministering brothers, we've been encouraged to, to keep the afternoon service focused maybe more on application, maybe a little bit shorter. It's the afternoon, and people are a little bit weary, especially after a hot lunch like today. So that's what I will endeavor to do with the Lord's help. And I would also pray and hope that you would uh, endeavor to be focused with the Lord's help, with his Holy Spirit, that you'd be able to listen and gather what's needed from Scripture, from God's Holy Word this afternoon hour. So I encourage everyone to keep your minds engaged, and the sleep will be a little further, further away than it might otherwise be. So, with the Lord's help, let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Verse 26, starting with verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. 
And in the sixth month, this would be the sixth month of, I believe, of Elizabeth's gestation. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of, Na- of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. I've read up to verse 56 in chapter 1 of Luke. This morning we heard about 
some amazing prophecies in the Old Testament, in Isaiah. Things that no uh, human being could put together. There's no way any of us can know the future. Uh, and in as detailed and in a, as amazing a way as, as we read in the pages of, of the Old Testament. Mary was someone who, despite her young and tender age, knew about these promises. It's clear from this, this passage, this, this, uh, what is commonly called the Magnificat, the, the magnify, my soul shall magnify the Lord, in the beginning of her speech. Uh, I'm, I'm of the conviction that um, the Holy Spirit, he certainly can do things and make people do things, I suppose you could say, in ways that are not um, explainable or understandable, that are supernatural. He can give revelation, God can give revelation through his Holy Spirit in ways that we can't comprehend. But I'm of the conviction that this is not... Um, more often than not, maybe there's a few counterexamples in Scripture, that this is not an, an autodidact process where individuals just certainly, uh, suddenly become overcome sort of in a robotic, robotic manner and will speak things that, that you know, they have no, that have no, um, how should I say it, um, th that they're just not aware of and, and, and then after that's done, then they come back to themselves. Maybe that happened in a few instances in, in the Old Testament but what, how I see God acting through the Holy Spirit, through Scripture, is to use things that people have learned, to use their life experiences with God, and from that to, to bring forth. And so I'm convinced that Mary, despite what she may have been a very young and tender age, knew these Scriptures. Her, her, her Magnificat is replete with references to the Old Testament, to the promises that were given in the Old Testament to the people of Israel. And so I, I'm convinced that this is something that Mary knew of and, and had pondered on and had thought, thought on. And we have a, a glimpse of that later on in Scripture. It says Mary pondered these things. She hid them in her heart. She thought about them. So I'm, uh, to me, it seems that the way the Holy Spirit works more often than not is he uses our experience our experience of God's word, our, our availing of ourselves of it to remind us, to, to work, to bring things to our remembrance, and then maybe to reveal new things, as he certainly did, as the angel certainly did to Mary in this instance. So my intention this afternoon would be to focus specifically on Mary's response to God's promises and to bring that to us, to bring that to uh, um, ourselves, to a present-day application. What does this mean for us? The hymn we, uh, the last hymn we sang, um, In the Bleak Midwinter, is a, is a favorite of mine. I love it. Um, the music is, is beautiful and gorgeous, but the, the sequence of the text, the juxtaposition of the setting, that first verse, all it talks about is the bleak midwinter. Snow had fallen, snow on snow. A, a, a bleakness, a setting that seems to have no hope. And that was the situation here on a national level with the, with the children of Israel. They were beaten down. They were oppressed. There wasn't really, didn't seem to be any hope on the horizon. The, the Roman Empire was strong and getting stronger. It was, its oppression was getting, was tight. Already it was oppressive and was getting more oppressive. And on a personal level too, probably. Mary came from a town in Nazareth. 
nothing much is spoken of it. It's in Galilee in a place that was kind of in the hinterland of, of, of the nation of Israel. Bleak midwinter, a bleakness. And God chooses to fulfill his promise, a promise that was since practically page one of this Bible. He chose to fulfill his promise in that way at this time. And that's no uh, incident, uh, that's no uh, accident. It was perfectly planned as we, as we heard this morning in the fullness of time. And it happened to someone who was clinging to God's promises. Look at Mary's Magnificat. He hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. He, he has been, he has hoping, he's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Mary knew of the promises of God. I'm convinced of that, that she knew of them. All of those who looked for Simeon, Anna, Zacharias, all of those who, who knew about the promises of God we're looking for fulfillment of those promises. So the first application question to you this afternoon is, are you aware, do you know of God's promises, specifically to you today? The promise that is in Christ Jesus, the promise that is for you today, do you know of that? Is that something you're aware of? Is it something that you think on often, that you, how hungry are you to know those promises, to, to, to dig into God's word and find them out and find what he has in store for you? For instance, the promise of God's presence in your life. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This morning, um, my little guy was uh, more cheerful than, than he usually is, and he's pretty cheerful usually at the breakfast table. He was just, I don't know what it was particularly, he was just really happy. And uh, my wife leaned over and said, you know why he's so cheerful? He says, you were with him all day yesterday. You spent the day with him. We were here with the cookie bake and, and we just spent the day together. And I had to think about that. That's true. You know, during the week, a few hours in the evening when we come home from, from work, a little bit of time in the morning, that's it. Do I realize that God's presence can be with me all the time? That he can be with me the whole day? How should that change me? Am I really hanging on to that presence, uh, that promise of his presence? I will never leave you nor forsake you? Or is it just, oh, it's another day. It's another getting through the regular grind. The presence of the almighty holy God, he's promised to be with me. Promised to be with me as I would call out to him, as I would seek him for help and, and for strength. He's promised to be there. The other part of promises is that we need to grasp them. We need to hold on to them by faith. We need to identify with them. It's not a passive sort of thing. We need to believe them. That was the case with Mary. She said, be it according to what the Lord has spoken. And that for her meant a very difficult road ahead. We've heard some of that this past uh, uh, few weeks as we've been studying in CFG about the circumstances around the birth of Christ. Think about it. Mary was about to have a very suspicious pregnancy. Her 
husband Joseph, whom she was espoused to, they were not yet come together, but they were formally betrothed. They were promised to each other. It was a serious thing that could only be really separated by a divorce at this point, as is clear in Matthew. Uh, he knew that that child wasn't his. He, he didn't see her for a number of months while she was with her cousin Elizabeth, and now she was going to come back, probably visibly pregnant, to Joseph to a small town where everyone knew everything. And she was going to accept that as from the Lord, as part of his promise to her, his fulfillment. She had to identify with that promise. She had to hang on to it when everything else seemed to be uh, taken away from her. What her thoughts of life, you know, I'm going to have a nice family or we're going to have a, a nice marriage. All of that seemed to be very tenuous at this point. And she had only that promise of the angel Gabriel to her that this is the fulfillment of God's promise to your forefathers many, many, many years ago. She had to hang on to that. Her forefather, Abraham, the same thing. He had to grasp a hold of that promise of a son. He was promised a son many years before it actually happened. God actually changed his name. He said, you're, no, you're going to not be called anymore Abram, but Abraham, which is, means father of many nations. And Abraham had to wear that name for, I don't know how much longer, another 10, 20 years, I forget when, it was, when his name was changed exactly, but, the, but Isaac didn't come along for another little while. Can you imagine that, going around Abraham, father of many nations, how many children does he have? Well, there's, there's one, but you know, his status is a little bit, he's not you know, from his, his proper wife. And, he had to identify with that promise, the promise that God had given, given to him alone. He had to wear that name around. I'm Abraham, the father of many nations. The promise that God has given, he will fulfill. I'm encouraged when I see some of our older members through many years of faithfulness that have persevered in hanging on to that promise. And especially when... Um, Maybe when life gets more difficult and um, sickness, illness of the body, family members pass away, uh, friends are fewer and fewer, it seems to me sometimes clearer I can see those older brothers and sisters that are hanging on to that promise that God has given. God has given them a promise that he will come back. He will save them. He will redeem them in the end. And I'm encouraged to know that my circumstances are different very much now. We have a young family. There seems to be hope and uh, excitement for the future, what the, what the future years are going to bring. But I, I, I dare not place my trust in that or my confidence or my comfort in that, but to place it in that same place, the same location, the promise of God, what he promised when I became his child, that he will redeem me, that he will purify me, that he will make me presentable in his presence. That's the thing that we need to hang on to and to identify with. These promises that we read about this morning in the, in the Old Testament, these amazing prophecies, they're not just a, something to kind of file away in the back. Well, further evidence that Christ was who he said he was. They're actually for us to, to encourage ourselves with. Romans 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience 
and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Do you need patience? Do you need comfort? Look into the scriptures. Embrace them. Don't just think that they're, well, they're for Sunday and for an odd uh, sermon reference every once in a while. They're your form of comfort and hope that God has worked in the past. He's made an amazing plan that had Jesus, this child out of seemingly nowhere that, that could not be explained and, and uh, um, could not be planned uh, by man, that part of his plan that he is continually working and he is continuing to work that in your life, that is a source of comfort. It ought to be a source of comfort for you. You should realize that this, this great gift that you've been given, Jesus Christ, he is now going to be with me. God is going to continue to work with me and through me to, to bring me to a blessed end. This is a promise. Now the God of hope. Um, so Isaiah saith, verse 12 here. There shall be a root of Jesse. And he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentiles trust. So he's quoting Isaiah the prophet there. And because of that, because of that quote, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. These promises that you ought to know, that you ought to believe and grasp by faith, are what are able, what it, are able to sustain you through all of your life, through difficult circumstances, to realize that God is working all things for your good and for his glory. The last scripture I'm thinking of here is in Hebrews, again, chapter 6. In a passage that only I started to recently connect, well, what is the actual application? Where is the connection of the application to us in, in the end of chapter 6? We are first encouraged in verse 12 to, to, through faith, be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And this is the promise that's given to you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that you will be blessed with all those that believe in Jesus Christ. You will inherit that promise. It's not fully given now. It's, it's given in part. We are blessed when we become his followers. We do experience eternal life now. We experience that abundant life. That is a promise that he's given us. But there is a promise coming, a, f a future promise of, of greater blessing and of greater hope. And that future promise, what started with Abraham, what started before Abraham, ought to be the anchor of our souls, down in verse 19. Which hope? This promise that God made to Abraham, that is the hope. I had to kind of go back a few verses and figure that out, that actually that's, that's what... What the writer is speaking of here in verse 19 of Hebrews 6, that the hope that the promise that God gave to Abraham, that same hope is an anchor of the soul, our souls, both sure and steadfast. Uh, sorry, back up verse, verse 18. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner for us is entered. Even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So, 
to summarize, maybe I haven't been very clear, the same promises that sustained Mary, that allowed her to accept what God was going to do in her life, the difficult road that she was going to, to walk, that same holding on to those promises of God can do for you today. It can sustain you today. It can help you through difficult times. It can help you uh, realize what's important, what needs to fall by the wayside. Holding on to those same promises of what God has given can do the same for you today. Because we are now standing on this side of the cross. We are now standing, seeing the completed work of Jesus. We know exactly how much God loved us. We know the depth of his promise that he would go to, what extent he would go to, to fulfill that promise. So as we enter this, this season, uh, um, as we get closer and closer to, to uh, that special time off, maybe time with family, enjoying um, the beauty of this time of year, which I do find it beautiful, we need to be thinking about the promise that God has given, that he gave so many generations ago, the promise that he, is, that he fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and the promise that he gives to you now as you walk, as you make decisions, as you, as you live your life. You need to hold on to that promise. That's the only way that we will see the full, uh, the full blessing that God has in store. This is the walking by faith that God desires in each of our hearts and, and our lives. May the Lord make that clear to us this season. Um, in, in our lives that maybe feel like a, a bit of a bleak midwinter, um, in circumstances that we can't see how, how God is going to work out for his glory, let's open our eyes to see what God has done, the way he's worked, his salvation in the past, through people like Mary, people like Joseph, through Jesus, his son, Let's let that encourage us that there is a hope and we need to hold on to it. May the Lord add to his word what was lacking. Would a brother please find a hymn? It's good to reflect on God's promises and also to clarify in our minds what he has not promised. Sometimes we get those things a little confused. God has not promised us a, a good job or a, a spouse or um, all the things that, that the world might value or even that we th might think this is important or that is important. We need to be clear in God's word what his promises exactly are. And when we embrace those things by faith, we'll find those promises uh, so much richer than anything that is temporal, anything that passes. Because his promises are, uh, they speak to our spirit. They speak to, to what really matters, what's really important. When we realize that, that's the point of my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoiceth in my God, my, my Savior. When we realize the promise of salvation, the promises of being lifted up and of exalted in the best way, not in a worldly way, not in a, a way that... that would feed our egos or our pride. Those promises are, are what's worth building your life on, uh, worth hanging on to. So as we go into the season, let's reflect, first of all, do we know what God has promised specifically for us in our lives? Do we know that? 
Are we embracing those things by faith? Do they sustain us in our daily life, our daily walk? When we do that, when we build a life based on God's promises, we will be blessed like Mary, like all those faithful people in the past that that waited for God's promise and were so surprised in an amazing way by, by God's working in ways that no one could conceive. May the Lord bless his word that we've heard this day and we've sung. May he keep it in our, hidden in our hearts and may it bear fruit to his honor and glory. With that, we conclude this service.